on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. we've got here is failure to communicate. Welcome to another edition of... Happiness to be found even in the darkest of times. contains a new data encryption algorithm. You'll never get in there. of the happiness algorithm it's 2021 we're back we have taken a bit of a break but we are back and i have missed you all i really have i've missed you all so um we're gonna uh we're gonna embark on a on another series this is series four actually series four show one how the hell did we get this far i don't know i don't know uh but um i sounded like donald trump there i think i don't know i don't know so um i've got an amazing guest for you today to kick things off i am joined by an award-winning animal and wildlife artist my guest has been honing her skill for the last 15 years she captures the photorealistic details of animals and their surroundings and what's amazing is that she's self-taught and continues to develop her immeasurable skill and I don't know how she can get any better what she says and this is the quote that really it really sort of pricked um, an interest for me um, because I think there's a massive overlap and we're going to talk about this a little bit more but what she says is it's impossible to admire the beauty of the natural world without also reflecting on its vulnerability Um, that packs a punch doesn't it Um, please welcome to the show Sophie Green. Sophie, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a real delight to have you on. And um, what a way to kick off 2021, because um, up until this point, it's been, well, I think we can all agree, it's been a pretty tricky, sticky start. Happy New Year, first and foremost. How how have you been? How was your Christmas and how was your New Year? Uh, wow, it was... Yeah, it was different. Um, Christmas was nice. It was, you know, it was relaxing. I, I spent spent a few days with family, um, a lot less time than we originally planned because obviously right at the last minute they kind of threw a span, spanner in the works and kind of tried to cancel yeah. Christmas on us. But, um, yeah, New Year's I spent alone just chilling out in my cabin in the woods. Um, and, yeah, I just decided that that was going to be a great New Year's and I was going to enjoy spending the New Year's on my own and seeing the New Year in on my own um, rather than rather than um, complaining about it and feeling lonely and all of the rest. So it's been pretty good. It's been different. It's certainly something to get used to, I think. Um, how about yours? Sorry, I, I realised I didn't ask you how you were um, just now. What? No, you don't need to. That's No, no, no. no yeah, I, I do. <laughs> um, well, a lot like yours, really. I think that it, you mentioned there sort of in the run up to Christmas, it become 
something that it was almost like the rug was was taken from under our feet but mm. it, Christmas is an interesting time I think for me because it's the last period or day in the calendar year I think where where there is this mass switch off where actually we do kind of things do shut down and we do spend that day but but also I feel that it comes with a lot of demands as well and I think for many um there was perhaps a welcome um they welcomed the announcement of not being able to mix I think people having that fluidity and choice and control over the day speaking to someone yesterday actually she'd said it was really lovely she just got to didn't see anyone she ate what she wanted drank what she wanted wore what she wanted you know she wasn't dictated (laughs) by the standard uh formal structure of the Christmas routine um and it was really lovely and I think perhaps it's sometimes becomes conflicted but equally um it is a day where we where we do sort of stop. So, but yeah, mine was mine was um, yeah, well, you know, mine mine was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It does feel like a very very long way away, um, and I'm not a massive not a massive New Year guy really. I kind of I'm in bed by ten really on New mm. Year's Eve. I've done for the last maybe fifteen or so years, um, <laughs> and then get woken up by the fireworks, and then go back to grumble because I'm a grumpy old yeah. man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah very very kind of you to um kind of you to ask but yeah no it's strange and as I say it does feel it does feel a, a, a long time ago now a long time ago yeah it feels like a lifetime ago actually doesn't it Christmas mm. and New Year and I think we we're all so optimistic that you know putting 2020 behind us we were we're in for a fresh new start a new leaf uh it hasn't really turned out that way has it but um no sadly not I think that's the you know, there's that natural conclusion of a year that we're almost conditioned and from a cultural perspective, we see it as an ending and new beginnings. And I think that's really hit people hard mm. coming into this new year and being faced with, you know, not that, you know, well, maybe there were some, but for the majority, um, there were, of course, a sense that, it, you know, COVID wasn't a wasn't just a 2020 year, 2020 thing. It was going to sort of carry on into this year. Um Mm. But sadly, I think the way that we've entered it has, has, has cost people a lot emotionally, financially, physically. Um, yeah. I mean, I think January is a difficult year anyway, because, you know, December, November, you've got Christmas to look forward to and time off work and seeing family and stuff. And then January, all of that's behind us. And all we've got to look forward to is kind of the summer. And that's so far off. It's difficult to clutch on to any sense of hope and to be faced with a, another lockdown and people back on, you know, furlough and out of work and kids off school. It's just, it's a lot to take on. It is. It's, it's a massive uh, amount to take on. I know, and I, I don't mind sharing what we, we were speaking about before we, we came on. Um, and we, were, <laughs> we spoke about a lot. That's why we had to press yeah. the call. Otherwise we had a great chat. Saying, we did. <laughs> I'm actually a bit uh, tired now. I just can't be bothered to talk. <laughs> I'm an, I said to you, I'm a nightmare for that because I end up... Um, I just have a good chinwag. I just a good catch up. It's like, I, you know, I've just rang you in the, you know, yeah. the, the afternoon and just, yeah, we see how have a chat. Uh, I think it's the best way to be. It is. It is. But I, um, I, I've never, you know, I, I found this uh, coming back to work in, in the January, um, just in, incredible in terms of the volume of referrals coming through. And actually mm. December, January, as you said, you're quite right. It, it's a really challenging 
period for many people but with the in the run-up to christmas we've got that natural conclusion or something to look forward to uh, being christmas as i said the switching off time off and and obviously going in the close of an of a year and the beginning of another um january tends to be a bit of a slump obviously we have we have um calendar dates such as blue monday etc um so we know that it's a particularly difficult time weather's rubbish just getting back into the swing of things but we have the the hope of things to come and um but i think with with the the world looking as as great as it currently is it's it's really uh, putting an awful lot of pressure on people and you know i find myself saying constantly that it's just it's just sad it's just really really difficult and sad and um mm. uh, but it is the reality of the situation and i think hopefully that's where and why this show is so important because i think that you know having us having spoken before and knowing what you do i think there's a lot of skills that you possess that away from your crazy talent of art um, <laughs> which we'll come on to in a minute but just the you know for me one of the biggest challenges that people face is their own mind i see it frequently that you know spending time with self there's there's often an aversion Mm. that people create but for me it's not always as bad as what we think it becomes this this big scary monster and every time people go near it or you know even from a clinical perspective i encourage people to go inwards and reflect it's like nope i'm not doing it Mm, but obviously an artist such as yourself spends crazy amounts of time in their own mind or in that uh, in that sort of isolated state you know um producing these amazing pieces of, of of work um so hopefully we'll we'll I'll, I'll dig into that brain a little bit more and and the listeners can <laughs> what that's like and how you've harnessed that skill um a little more but we must share the, with the listeners a little bit more about you and right uh, and what you do so take it away okay well i am an animal and wildlife artist, as you said. Um, I focus on conservation, so I'm technically classed as a conservation artist, which um, is new for me. I've just joined a group called the Artists for Conservation, which is um, a great group of artists that sort of pledge to donate a certain amount of their profit to conservation charities and causes. Uh, And they go on expeditions and uh, do exhibit exhibitions um, and stuff like that which is amazing and yeah I focus on sort of drawing my customers and my the people that view my arts attention to issues surrounding conservation or animal welfare or and the environment um, global warming stuff like that because uh, it's important to me and yeah it keeps me motivated keeps me passionate passionate and I just love it uh, and it, I'm, uh, well I'm gonna the, the art is um as I said it's I'm, it's, uh, I, I, I'm lost for words in terms of I mean my vocabulary <laughs> is not particularly broad anyway um oh don't so, put yourself so down growing up in the east end <laughs> it, it kind of gets to a limit and then they say that's enough for you boy and carry on <laughs> colorful yeah so um but i mean it's it's bonkers how incredible it is um in terms of the accuracy is that 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 photorealistic um uh talent of yours to capture um 
before I kind of move into that bit, I want to talk about the conservation. And as you said, that there is important to you. Mm. Can I ask where that comes from and why um, wildlife and the environment is so important to you? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I get asked a lot and it's hard to put my finger on exactly where that's come from. It's always kind of been instilled in me. Um, I mean, as a child, I was always very drawn to animals and wildlife and nature. I spent a lot of time outside. Um, I think we spoke before actually about growing up. I had a, a very severe anxiety disorder called selective mutism, which affects maybe like one in a million children. And it basically means that you are so severely anxious that you can't physically talk or communicate in certain settings. So aside from in my family home or the street where I grew up, I couldn't speak. Um, and I, people sort of put that down to being very shy or stubborn and choosing not to speak. But essentially what it is, is um, you physically cannot. So, I mean, I did a lot of research on that sort of thing as an adult because I then became a primary school teacher when I it was in my 20s. And so it kind of fascinated me and the psychology behind children and why some children are very anxious, some children are very confident. And I learned that children with selective mutism tend to be very passionate and interested in animals and nature and art and music. And they tend to have quite a keen eye for detail not not all children with selective mutism but there seems to be a trend it's like there's a kind of introspective high iq level sort of art music animals nature that sort of thing it's all certain traits that children with selective mutism have and i seemed to fit the mold um i was very interested in animals very interested in wildlife and nature and that sort of developed into my love of art and um, wildlife art. So I think that's where it came from. As an adult, I've just become more and more fascinated with it because it's such a important topic. Um, it's really, yeah, there's a lot of issues at the moment that are sort of coming to the surface. And I think people are starting to take notice all of a sudden. Well, not, not all of a sudden at all, but people are starting to take more notice than they previously had. So, um, yeah, bodes well for my art, I think. Well, it does. And I, I think that, you know, for each and every one of us to to align our sort of behaviours with our intrinsic values is is crucial for that sort of sense of balance. I think mm. many of us find ourselves um, often conflicted or our values being under um, under stimulated, you know, because we're we've you know for one reason or another we're kind of we're not in line we're not in tune with those and so it, it puts in, well, in the wrong direction yeah I mean quite often people don't even know what their values are or you know if you ask someone what's your purpose in life or what you're passionate about um a lot of people they they just don't know because that's not something that's taught to us in school that's something you have to kind of discover for yourself and um a lot of people sort of go through life just moving one one foot in front of the other and it's goes back to what we were saying earlier about January being a pretty hopeless month of the year it's that people nowadays tend to just look forward all the time they're always looking forward to the next time of work or the next holiday mm. it's always living in the future not living in the present moment and so if you're not in the present moment it's hard to sort of put your finger on what's important to you in the here and the now um, and what your your passions are what's your purpose so 
yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Well, I mean, some incredible words there, and I think so accurate and true. I think that purpose and value, um, and the, and the and the looking ahead. I think that's almost become a product of society that's been put upon us. That we're mm. always we're almost running down the clock, aren't we? You know that yes. it's on to the next holiday, it's on to the next break. When surely that isn't what life is about. You know, I'm going to talk about your your primary school years as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because there's a wonderful um, quote by uh, a lady named Carol Dweck that says, you know, particularly working with children, um, it's about praising the journey and not the end goal. So that we're not raising this generation that mm-hmm. are yes that again are falling into that trap of okay, so what is my next task? What is my next goal? What do I need to achieve? But mm-hmm. actually seeing the the value and the riches moment by moment. Yeah, that's that's really poignant, but also quite ironic, I think, because primary school teachers are renowned for just waiting for the next holiday constantly. <laughs> just co- constantly. Oh, if because I obviously I used to be a primary school teacher, and and I, I think it was there that I noticed how much I was just living for the future. It was anytime you go into the staff room or you but you know you lock eyes with another teacher in the corridor, and it's don't worry, two weeks to go until half term, two weeks to go, three days to go. And then when you come back from half term, it's don't worry, six weeks and we're six weeks and it's summer, six weeks. And it's just constantly, you know, on the treadmill trying to run towards your your next bit of time off work. And then and it's like what are you you're just gonna end up wishing your life away if you if you live like that, I think. Hmm. Where do you feel that we are, we are. Where, where do you think that comes from then? Say from your experience, say in, in the primary setting, why do you feel that um, that language and that conversation begins to build and that, that sort of loss of hope or projection of, you know, the next holiday? You know, I think people just find it quite difficult to be in the present because it means being in your own head and it means finding the beauty and finding the joy in the present moment. And, you know, if you're at work or you're at the office or you're at home with kids running around, it's, it can be really difficult to, to find the joy in that and find the beauty and take a minute and just take in your surroundings and, and love that. And I totally, I totally get that. Um, and I, I think over lockdown, particularly for me, because I live alone, there were times when I thought, oh, God, like this is the worst. Like I live, I'm totally alone. I'm totally isolated from everyone I love. And all my friends and family and I can't leave the house I'm going on the same walks every day I think everyone just had the same moment during lockdown where they just couldn't take it anymore mm. um, and it was really difficult to just be in the now and focus on all the things that were good in my life because I was just so used to focusing on the next holiday or the next time off work and and suddenly nobody was allowed to go on holiday. No one was allowed to travel. Um, there was not really much to look forward to because summer had been cancelled and every all the restaurants were shut and everyone was panicking. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be in this cabin on my own for the next year. And this is going to be the worst year ever. And I was just focusing on all the negatives until I realised I was in this cabin in a beautiful forest alone where I can you know paint and do everything that I love go for long walks with the dogs down to the beach and I was like god my life's amazing like what am I what what am I waiting for I'm, I'm living you know I'm living the good the good life right now uh, and just decided to shift that mindset but I think it's really really difficult to do um 
I don't think many people have that instilled in them, just for just the way society's been built, um, mm. unfortunately. Yeah, well, it, it, I, I, I agree. I think that, you know, perhaps we've been led to believe that the answers are in the world that in the outside world that often brings the problems that actually brings the demands mm. when you know i think what you said there is it's incredible that there is that there is that shift in perspective that is often important in in periods of crisis um or particular discomfort mm. um I suppose, look, not just from a society perspective, but equally from an evolutionary perspective, we're almost pre-programmed to err on the side of caution and um, and not necessarily overly fixate on the negative, but be aware of our our current state. And I think there's that there's almost that two phase principle of of the acknowledgement of the emotions. We have to acknowledge the the circumstances or the situation we find ourselves in individually unique to everybody but obviously globally speaking in this lockdown at the minute we're all going to experience well you know the, the saying that keeps doing the rounds is that we're all in the same uh, same storm but different boat so i think that there's mm. that acceptance or accommodating and embracing the emotions that we feel they're the subjective nature of them and then that point you make there about that shift in that mindset or shifting that perspective to say actually okay so but what have i got i've got my paint I've got my dogs. I can walk to the beach. I'm living in this amazing cabin in the forest. And to be fair, when we spoke before and you sh- you showed me, it is an amazing cabin in the woods. And my God, uh, what a place to to be an artist and and work. Um, but yeah, that I'm very lucky. Sense, yeah, that sense of kind of just creating a little bit of of a of of a wiggle, of a little bit of loosening up and flexibility. Um, almost I think brings a sense of satisfaction to the mind so it's saying look yeah okay look we are in this situation these are the circumstances it's that controllability factor I can't change the world but I can change me yeah exactly and I think humans are built not to enjoy life they're kind of innately built to survive life and so going back to what you say about you know we're always expecting danger um, because you know back in the day life was quite a dangerous thing for humans you know Mm. and and now we're living these cushy life lifestyles with you know netflix and beautiful houses and cars that drive us wherever we want to go there's no immediate danger but our brains are still tuned to look forward always forward to to where the next little bit of danger might be coming from um and yeah it can be it can be really overwhelming and i think that particularly over the last year or so there's been a lot of global and anxiety and depression and um yeah it's about sort of observing those feelings and accepting that they're there to protect us and they're there you know for the good the greater good but they they're not us you know Mm. yeah the greater good they're there to protect us they don't define us they're not necessarily overwhelming actually they are they're they're a level of there's a purpose to those as well there is a a reason why they're presenting but it doesn't need to um you know doesn't need to consume our entire existence yeah Um, absolutely and i you you alluded to it earlier i think it's there's all what we said before about it's kind of 
society driven evolution driven as well so it shows that we can begin to cultivate a different way of thinking a different way of responding mm -hmm. and that takes patience and it takes practice and it takes an element of um i was going to say failure but i'm not not crazy about that word um so let's say well challenge i guess challenge yeah and obviously what comes with challenge is an element of discomfort you know the beauty of yeah. being a human being is that we're imperfect creatures we've got to get things right uh, wrong to to <laughs> get them right yeah, um exactly so okay so yes mindset shift perspective um i mean this year this past year has been a challenge i think we can all agree Mm -hmm. And so in a way, it has been as awful as it's been. And, you know, I, I just, you know, my heart does go out to everyone that's been so affected by this pandemic and everything else that's been going on in the world and all the key workers and people that have lost loved ones. It's just it has been absolutely awful, but it has been the perfect sort of fertilizer to make us come out of this sort of global rut and maybe be a little bit more introspective I think I mean it's at least it certainly has for me and a lot of people that I know and my friends have all been saying the same thing so I um I just wrote that phrase down perfect fertilizer I like that yeah I was gonna um, set my I, a friend of mine uses a phrase but it's a little bit ruder <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I should say it is, uh, we can, it's we something can about something That's all right we can swear. Okay, good. So a friend of mine goes, yeah. you know, if anything bad ever happens, they go, well, you know what? Shit makes the greatest fertilizer. So oh, and it's true. Yes. Right. Write that down. <laughs> I'm scribbling as as uh, as you speak. <laughs> no, make, <laughs> making notes on on TED Talks with Sophie Green. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, it certainly does. You know, look, who can argue with that? It does make the perfect fertilizer. Um, and you know what? Look, I think this through, you know, um, listeners have heard me say it before and, and apologies in the past, but it is, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that in any period of adversity, there's always opportunity for growth. I think mm -hmm. that yep. um, it enables us to reflect or, or um, to explore um, without demand, um, but with purpose what's working for us and what's not. And I think that it's been interesting to observe people um, over the, and, and listen to that sort of narrative mm. uh, with people that I speak to over the last sort of 12 months, because for me, pre pandemic, there was a lot of demand. I think that we was caught in this sort of cycle of doing, I think that it was a constant state was, as you say, there was that state of hurry and looking to the next holiday and the conversations were all laced with forward thinking and mm. a lack of, and being in the moment and then we found this period of the initial lockdown back in March last year where all of a sudden we had this abundance of time like yeah. I even felt this sense of wow this is what 24 hours in a day actually feels like mm. um, and it was and I think that there was this mass movement of people and I'm, as we said before seasonal um, aspects affect it you know we had it was wonderful weather and there was a great sense of freedom. I read this piece actually recently that um, uh, somebody said that freedom, uh, sorry, happiness comes from a state of freedom, that actually we, we yeah. experience it in its potency when we feel free. But then 
it said that actually in Western culture we can never be truly free. Um, but essentially, that's oh, yeah. Tell me about almost recognizing that as well. But yeah. the, there is this opportunity, and it would be sad if we didn't embrace it. That there are learnings, teachings, opportunities, lessons that we can take through this adverse situation to then continue to carry on yeah. forward and throughout our, the remainder of our existence but there's always this checkpoint that's important as well that just because there, it took a global ba- pandemic for us to kind of say actually this is not really working for me or i mm. want to do more of this I, I this should be something that we're we're doing constantly in our lives surely not it shouldn't be sort of yeah i mean i think that to begin with, when we're first sort of training our minds to think that way, it starts with thinking more in, in retrospect and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. ironically. You can look back and say, oh, you know, that was terrible. Or, you know, when my when so-and-so passed away, that was one of the hardest times of my life, but I learned from it that I became stronger in this way. And you can start to do that looking back on situations. And a lot of people look back on 2020 and, and, and I, for one, look back now and think, oh, God, it, that needed to happen for me at the very least. Um, mm. And the more you do that with past events, I think you can sort of train your mind to think more like that in the present as well. So whenever something does happen in the future, you can then, while it's happening, think you know this might be a good thing I don't know why yet but there's probably something I can learn from this and it it helps you to sort of have a sense of control um and maybe a little bit more freedom from your emotions and your mind at the time I think that's important yes sorry that pause was um I was just writing that down there's making more notes I was making my notes. I'm filling my page. I'm already nearly through one page. All right. Well, don't um, forget I'll be doing the test at the end to check yeah. if you're listening. So. Yeah, yeah no, I promise. Um, that <laughs> phrase you said, I don't know why yet. Um, again, such a powerful statement or, or, or phrase to use. In yeah, it's, it's, it's having that faith and that trust that yeah. you trust everything's that, happening yeah. for a reason there's a bigger picture here because i think that often that's lost i think that people get caught in the crisis and it becomes all consuming mm. and um but having that trust in self that that faith and the bigger picture um and i it, it's saying it to ourselves as well and i'd almost encourage people to externalize it and vocalize it and say you know so that we can hear it back because the voice the voice that that we hear inside our own head is different to the one that comes out of our mouth, and we all know that because we, yeah. you know, if we've seen each uh, seen ourselves on camera, we're like, I don't sound like that, surely. <laughs> yeah, um, I so think that, my that... my inner voice is my dad. Weirdly, oh wow! Because I was thinking about this the other day. Um, someone I was listening to a podcast, and they were sort of like, "Which one of your parents did you crave love from the most?" And they were talking about how your parents, how much your parents influence you. I was thinking about it. I was like, do you know what? My inner voice, not necessarily the sound of it, but the way that it talks is, is my dad. It's really strange, wow. um, which I think is quite interesting. But, Very yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. It's, it's different. Obviously, I don't talk to people the way that my inner voice talks to me because that would be rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we can all... Do you know what? It's interesting. I use there's the transactional analysis th- 
theory in, in sort of the world of psychology that looks at this sort of parent part of self or the child mm. part of self, sort of ego, that, that adult part of self that that we that we want to see working for us the majority of the time. You know, it, yeah. it's the one that, that meets all those pendulum decisions that it swings both ways, whereas both the parent brain and the child brain will crave that black and white, that, that mm. certainty. Obviously, yeah. in the world that which we exist there's constant states of gray so things are never going to be black and white Um, and it's that assurance that the ego offers us um but yeah i think that internal voice sometimes that parent voice and i'm I'm not sure it's in the context of dad in this um instance but often that parent voice can be the one that is well as adults we're often referred to as the sort of critical voice (laughs) yeah do you know what yeah, I, as you said that in my head, I heard critical. <laughs> and then you said the critical parent. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, it's the one that's yeah. harshest on us. It's the one that yeah. we crave to like impress. And I, I'm yeah. I'm really interested in stuff like that. And I've been doing a lot of like reading about that sort of side to psychology, just because it's quite I find it quite interesting. And having grown up with um, selective mutism. There's not a whole lot of, I mean, there's definitely research out there, but there's not a whole lot of black and white evidence to suggest what causes selective mutism um, because it's so, you know, as as children, we pick up, obviously, from our environment, from our parents, from society, um, how we should act, act and what's safe, what's not safe. And then that can sometimes lead to anxiety as adults. But to have such a severe anxiety disorder as a child, um, there's you know there's some suggestion that that might have been something that happened in the womb or it could have been very very early childhood or um stuff like that so I've been really interested in that sort of thing um and yeah reading in into that and I'm just absolutely fascinated by it and where does it so the the reading and the sort of journey you've gone on the journey of discovery you've gone on where has it taken you Sophie What, what has it sort of led you to not necessarily believe, but feel that these have been, or they were the possible contributing factors, if you don't mind me asking. No, not at all. Well, I mean, I started out sort of research. I mean, when I did my degree to become a primary school teacher and I I studied uh, university primary education for three years. And so there's a great portion of that is um, studying child psychology and development of babies in particular as well and so I started out on the sort of psychology route sort of understanding why children do and say things and how you know how what happens in our very early formative years affects us as adults um, for the rest of our lives and I found that really interesting and I was sort of looking at my own stuff that I've got going on and my own upbringing and there was a lot of sort of stuff going on in my life when I was young and loss of family members and things like that and um later on loss of my mum got sick when I was fairly young and then got sick again when I was uh, like 18 19 and passed away and it was just stuff like that that was going on in my own life um I didn't realize how much it affected me um until I sort of looked into this sort of thing I think over the years uh I mean I'm not a primary school teacher anymore but I've moved away from the sort of black and white psychology and scientific approach and I'm probably more sort of spiritual with it now and I like to think more in terms of you know what's going on inside your head and how is it really benefiting you and what's what's serving your 
highest self and what can you let go and uh, that sort of thing, which is I'm getting a little bit more new age hippy dippy as like as time goes on. I found, <laughs> but um, maybe that's because I spend a lot of time alone. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where where I've started to head down the the route of, and I'm a massive fan of like Eckhart Tolle's work. I don't know if you've mm, ever read yeah, The Power of yeah. Now. If if you haven't, and I suggest everyone goes out and buys that and reads it, or just finds it and reads it. Um, yeah incredible work yeah I've been thinking a lot about that sort of thing um and just the universe as a whole and why we're here um I mean I've always been quite spiritual um I grew up in a household that was quite spiritual and um very interested in sort of like the other other worldly stuff um so that was spoken about quite openly in my family um we Mm. weren't particularly religious weren't particularly into anything like that prayer or anything it was just we just kind of openly talked about spirits and stuff and um so I've always felt quite comfortable in that area um which can be uncomfortable for others and yeah so yeah it's it's interesting when you mention they're sort of uncomfortable and I, I often wonder whether the discomfort that people often feel um is is brought about by um it's brought about by the fact that there's either a lack of knowledge and obviously when there's a lack of knowledge that stimulates an element of fear that fear then creates discomfort and so there's a there's often a shutdown and it's it's funny you mentioned the sort of more in tuned with your spiritual self recently Mm. uh, and sort of seeking that that higher self because i you know these are not when we talk about sort of spirituality and um presence of self and higher self you know these are things that have been around for thousands of years Mm. you know if we look at eastern practice it's it's embedded in culture and obviously that's often where it's almost coming to um it's almost heads butting together um, when it meets western culture Mm. um but i think that there's been a growing curiosity and interest in more of these approaches um, in recent times. And I do mm. wonder whether the world has almost you spoke there about your sort of your journey and um, exploring uh, the more scientific self. You've kind of found that you're, you're moving into that more fluid state. Yeah. And I do wonder whether the world has become tired. The world has almost exhausted itself of that, that, that dichotomous approach of it's, you know, clinically and medically driven one way or the other. And actually, we're, we're seeking more. And actually, we go back to what you said there, that sense and trust in self of, of you know, we don't know why we're experiencing this yet or what the purpose is, but mm. it may or may not surface at some point. And actually, I'm part of a bigger picture. And, I, you know, I think it sits with that when you look at sort of from a, a, a Buddhist perspective, it's that connectedness the connectedness with others and the land and animals and the world yeah exactly yeah I think Um, people do tend to feel a little bit uncomfortable with things that we can't be certain about um obviously when something is scientifically proven then we're all happy to jump on board um and before something is scientifically proven we quite we're quite often scoffers and so we like to sort of feel like oh 
Yeah. And I, I used to be like that with religion because I was very much of the opinion that religion is, you know, it's an organization that takes money, it uses, you know, it's used to control people, it causes wars. It's, you know, I would scoff at the people that would say that they believed in, you know, every word that the Bible said and stuff like that. And then I realized it doesn't really matter because nobody actually really knows anything. We're just Mm. kind of like on this ball of rock that's spinning around in the universe. And, you know, we don't know whether God exists or not. Um, The only thing that we can really do is try and improve our own personal well-being and our own personal growth. And if having a faith and a belief in something helps us with that, then I think that's amazing. And I think especially nowadays with everything that's going on in the world, it's important to have that faith that something good is going to come out of that because otherwise you'll just go into a downward spiral. Perhaps that's why a lot of people nowadays have suddenly become a little bit more spiritual because certainly I was speaking to a friend of mine and someone that I never in a million years would have thought was into spirituality and stuff like that and started chatting to him and he was like, oh yeah, I've been getting really into this lately. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so strange. Like, I never never would have thought you would be into that sort of thing. And he was like, yeah, it's weird. Like, everyone that I've spoken to said the same thing. Like, over the last year or so, people seem to be becoming a little bit more open-minded, I think. Mm. Yeah, um, which is, you know, which is ne- <laughs> you know, never going to be a bad thing for us to kind of broaden our, our, uh, our want and yearning for understanding. And, um, yeah, exactly. you know, that's always going always gonna to help us out. And I wonder whether equally as you were speaking there that 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 sort of that higher presence and and being part of that sort of bigger picture then somehow encourages us to be able to shift perspective and I, mm-hmm. I'm going to add a bit to this as well because I, I I'm not saying that we I find myself hearing um people say I feel X, Y, and Z, but I shouldn't because, you know, so-and-so is going through a much more difficult situation and, you know, they're, yeah. they're more unfortunate than I am and I need to. And I, and I think that we can all be lost in comparison and inevitably there's always going to be somebody in a worse off position than I on the planet and uh, you know particularly if we live in the western world mm, um yeah so it's important we go back you, you said before about sort of the acknowledgement and accommodating feelings and being present but then and taking ownership of those and then being able to find that alternative and and identify the values and what we do have um and I think it's that identification part or the acknowledgement part that's crucial yes there will always be someone else but we can't we mustn't dismiss um our own feelings and where we're at and the subjectivity of that as well and so when we look at um when we look at that higher presence and and connection and where we see it and the spiritual element of it all Mm. we can say well this is where i'm at now but looking around me there is there is this mass that i'm part of as well so um yeah yeah i think by yeah by denying denying yourself um permission to feel certain ways you're not doing anyone any good really I mean that again that goes back to the critical the critical parent in you that's sort of you know like no not allowed to feel bad because so and so down the roads just lost the family member and so you 
aren't allowed to feel bad for living alone or you know stuff like that that's your ego that's sort of telling you how to feel um Mm -hmm. i agree yeah well, in the usual uh, style, I've, I've overshot the first part of the show. Of course, I have. Um, as that got I've, deep. That got deep quickly. It did. It did. Love a deep conversation, though. Yeah. Love a deep conversation. It feels a bit strange going from talking about you know depression and glo- <laughs> global spirituality to suddenly being like, right, here's a cheerful song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't uh, we can't rob the listeners of your song choices, so we must. Yeah, they're hear great. The- uh, so what we'll do uh, stick with us here on the happiness algorithm my special guest today is sophie green um i've been james rose and this is her first song choice
Phoenix FM. Welcome back to the Happiness Algorithm uh, with me, James Rose, and my special guest, Sophie Green. And that was her first song choice. That was Blanco White, Alala. Um, and that was a lovely song, yeah, Sophie? Oh, that was so, I love that song. It's so cheerful and it always puts me in a good mood. That's the song I listen to whenever I'm feeling a little bit mopey. I put that song on. Beautiful. It is. It is. Um, I said to you off air, didn't I? It, the, I've got a playlist where when guests send their song choices over, um, I've kind of pulled together all the songs that perhaps I haven't heard before or really lyrically kind of just take me on a journey. And uh, yeah, like you, we'll sort of put it on and just be emotionally provoked and carried in different directions when I listen to it. Um, and, it, it, yeah. you know, look, we've said many times before, it's music is so, so potently powerful um, in terms yeah, it of... Really is. of you know what? I, I heard someone told me this the other day. Um, who was telling? Oh yeah, I remember who was telling me now. Yeah, so someone told me that um, inmates on death row are not allowed to listen to music because of um, how emotionally sort of provocative it can be. Wow! What in a good way or a bad way? Uh, in a bad way. Wow! That's. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, it makes sense. To be fair. Yeah, yeah. I, right. I hadn't checked that fact out, but they told me, and it seems believable. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that sounds even more kind of like a form of torture, not being allowed to listen to music in some I ways. I can't, yeah. I actually cannot imagine my life without music. Someone said to me once, um, you, I think was, I must have like gone on holiday with someone or so. It was like a situation where I was spending every waking second with someone, <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> you listen to music more than anyone I've ever known to listen to me. Like I listen to music all the time. Everything that I do, I'm listening to music. It's very rare that I'm in silence, which is not probably not the best thing either, but yeah, it's, I can't live without it. And have you got a broad music taste? Uh, I have, but I tend to listen to mostly just sort of like acoustic-y folk. Mm music folks probably the music that i listen to the most sometimes i mean it depends on my mood sometimes i'll stick on some dance music if i'm in a good mood or if i've you know for example at the moment i listen to some hawaiian music just because quite like the idea of going to hawaii so i thought you Mm -hmm. know listen to some hawaiian music to get me in the mood um but yeah i can listen to anything classical um at the moment while i paint um I tend to listen to podcasts, to be honest. Uh, it just gives me something to focus on while I'm painting. So I don't, I don't just sit there, you know, in my own head for too long. Yeah. Does it, um, well, I'm going to, we'll, we'll speak about that a little bit more actually, but um, it made me think in terms of the um, provocation of music in that sense, can it influence how you paint if you're listening to music? Is that why you choose podcasts over um over sort of music or playlists um it can do it can do i think to be honest once you get into the swing of painting it's not going to affect you too much because what the well the style of painting that i do is real realism so i kind of have to do it a certain way i suppose if you were an abstract painter or something it would definitely affect um your art but i have found that if I'm listening to quite upbeat, almost stressful music to listen to, 
like some mm-hmm. dance music and stuff like that. If if because my Spotify just kind of plays off until it does its own thing quite often, and then I'll end up listening to some random band that I've never heard of. Um, and I do find yeah, and it's so weird. Sometimes you know I'll I'll start off by putting on a playlist with some like chill acoustic music, and then. My Spotify's like, I know what you're like. And it's, yeah, like heavy metal or something. I'm like, where did this come from? It's a Hawaiian fresh metal band. (laughs) (laughs) They're really good in popularity. It's weird. And it's kind of like, and you know what I get a lot of is, because I I don't have Spotify premium. I just just have never updated it, to be honest. So I get the adverts come through still. And they, they say that Spotify, when they advertise advertising on spotify they say you can advertise your music and we'll we'll play it to people that will be interested in your genre but i i listen to you know very relaxing music and then i'll suddenly get the most intense like (laughs) stressful song playing on an advert and it'll be like this is my new album i'm like why are you playing this to me like i clearly do not listen to this sort of music you know it's doing a disservice to this poor person that's paid money to advertise their music um because it's being played to people like me who's never going to listen to it but anyway um yeah so something like that will come on and i'll realize that i'm getting stressed with something that's not going right or if the colors color doesn't look right and i'll be getting really stressed about it and then i'll realize i need to switch this music off it's not it's not helping um and then when i've switched the music off it the stress goes away magically um I was writing that down as well because um, yeah. I think that's also a an, an immense skill to to possess. And I wonder is is it something that you've harnessed over a period of time, or something that you feel is quite innate? That observation of self, so noticing, so recognizing that stress increasing, and yeah. then being able to action something. Yeah. That's definitely something. Generator. Yeah, that's something I've learned in later life for sure. I mean, no. I to be honest, this past year. I was talking to uh, someone else actually was interviewing me for something recently and they asked me if you could look back on you a year ago <clears throat> compared to you now, are you different? Are you the same? What's it? And I'm honestly a completely different person now to what I was a really? year ago. Yeah, maybe not in, you know, like the, the personality is pretty much the same. Um, it's more how I think I'm a lot more introspective um, and I'm more able to sort of take a step back and look at more be the observer of my own thoughts and feelings and why am I thinking like this why am I feeling like this and my thoughts and my feelings have become so much more positive because I mean going back a, a year or so ago I was in a pretty stressed place in my life I was suffering from severe panic attacks I was going through a period sort of November uh, October last year no sorry October 2019 hmm. I had this sort of like big cancer scare where I went through for like six months where I was having tests done and biopsies and um and then surgery and uh, they they just don't, didn't know what was going on they just didn't get enough cells when they did the biopsy because my mum obviously got cancer quite young um, and passed away, they were taking it really seriously. Um, and in my in my head, I was like, right, that's it. I'm you know I'm going to die. 
this is the end of the road for me and the, my, my lymph nodes were swelling up and I was getting all these physical symptoms and I was just convinced that I had cancer and I was going to die and this went on for six months until um, eventually got the results right before we went into lockdown actually or just after um, and got got the all clear and was like hey, you're, you're fine it's all benign um, I was really happy about that but I was just in such a bad place I was having panic attacks all the time like very very severe panic attacks um where I sort of was unable to like eat for days which is not good for me because my metabolism's ridiculously fast and then that was stressing me out even more and I was just in such a, a tears and I couldn't get myself out of it and and um it's just all this other stuff was going on as well like work and it's just I was just stressed in general and then mm. lockdown hit and it kind of forced me to put on the brakes and it wasn't until lockdown where I started really doing the work on myself and sort of realizing how in control my thoughts and my feelings are of my body and of my mind um and how easily I was I was able to just spin out of control in this negative narrative of you know I'm, everything's going to go wrong everyone's out to hurt you everyone you know if you're going to get sick then you it's going to happen to you everyone you love is going to die like I just had all these horrible negative thoughts running around in my head just from picked up from past experiences and childhood things that happened and stuff um and lockdown just really forced me to be like whoa 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 because suddenly I was alone with my thoughts and I was alone in this cabin with nothing but my own head and I suddenly thought oh my god I've got I've got to quickly become my own best friend here because I'm going to drive myself insane otherwise um, and that's what kind of forced me to really become aware of what my thoughts and my feelings are and why they are the way they are and and sort of harness a bit more control over that I think. Wow well I feel privileged that you've shared that because I think that you know you can see that what an immensely difficult situation to go through pre-lockdown that six months of complete and utter turmoil and, and fear um yeah I mean obviously there's a lot of people out there where they they're not lucky um like me I was you know one of the lucky ones where I got good news and there's a lot of people that don't get good news um and thank God for the NHS as well because they were amazing. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty stressful. Um, you know, I'm not gonna. Well, when it first happened, I kind of tried to. I felt a little bit embarrassed, and I tried to sort of be like, "Yeah, you know, it's that was embarrassing. Like, God, all of that for nothing. You know, try and make a joke out of it. Like, God, I'm such a hypochondriac. Like, all of that." But yeah, looking back, it was awful. It was a really stressful time, um, given given my past, you know, experiences of having people in my life that I have had and passed away from cancer and um, stuff like that. And yeah, since then, I've had a, a couple of friends actually come to me and they've sort of like found a lump or, you know, they've had some scary bodily thing going on and they've come to me because they know I kind of went through something similar mm. uh, and thank god their situations have been okay and they've found out that it's nothing to worry about pretty quickly 
but it's made me feel a lot less embarrassed about that sort of thing because you know we're all human um we all have our fears and our worries and our wounds um but yes at the time when I was in it I was in the middle of the turmoil I remember because it was it was over Christmas as well where they told me they phoned me up right before Christmas and said um we've got the results back from the biopsy and we're not we don't really know what it is um we can't be sure we don't know if it's going to like grow um so we're going to you know we're going to operate we're going to take everything out but uh, that'll be after Christmas because it was right before Christmas time and I was supposed to be going over to America for Christmas and then Puerto Rico for New Year's Eve and so I had these amazing trips planned and the whole time I had this looming over me that I was going to come back and have surgery in the new year and potentially find out if I had cancer or not um which is you know a big thing to be constantly worrying about yeah and I remember a few a few of my friends were kind of like so if you need to you know you need to just put you know smile put on a brave face think think the positive because if you're constantly expecting the worst outcome it's like almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy so you've kind of got got to put out into the universe it's going to be positive it's going to be good news and um I just remember thinking god that's impossible how are you supposed to do that uh and it's not until now when I suddenly think you know looking back in hindsight that you know that awful situation taught me a lot and Mm. yeah it goes back to what we're saying about um about uh looking back in hindsight and seeing seeing the good in in the, the quagmire so to speak in the in the moment and i suppose it's the one you know speaking to others that have, that have been in similar positions to yourself and and um and that period of of not knowing and waiting i think that's always the, that's the curse of our existence as human mm-hmm. beings is the fact that so little is is it within our control and so much is beyond our control and it's just it's the sort of a lot of the, the sort of teenagers that I, I work with as they're sort of going through that developmental period I, I always say that the, the art and it's an art more than a science of of managing life is learning to tolerate discomfort and, and it's mm. and the problem with life is life itself in as much as as I say it's so much beyond our control the spontaneity the unpredictability of it is is uh, at times often over, overwhelming and he said there you know six months of of living with that that fear um is mm-hmm. something that you know is 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 really difficult and and then going into lockdown and it made me think about then being left with all of those thoughts yeah was it did did you what was the support you had at the time or was this all your own doing you know reading exploring observing understanding self what what was the support at that time like for you and did you reach out and look for more support um yeah I mean well when it was going on because six months is you know in the grand scheme of your life six months is you know a drop in the ocean but in in the moment it's it's a long time Mm. and and it's a long time to feel completely out of control and it's almost like when you're in the state of if you're having a panic attack about something and you get this surge of adrenaline and it's almost like being in that state of heightened adrenaline for six months physically isn't great for your body. Um, no. Hence why I was getting like swollen lymph nodes and, and stuff like that, because my body was under so much stress that I was putting under myself to be putting on myself. Um, and I, my friends and family are amazing. I actually didn't tell 
my dad, he still doesn't know because um, he really? understandably as you know, he, he lost my, one of my brothers passed away before, just before I was born and my mum as well. So he's lost aside from me and my brother and sister, he's lost almost every single family member now, like including his brother, his parents. And so I was I'm not going to put that on him because um, I didn't want him to worry. But I knew I knew that the more he worried, the more I would then worry. So it's almost as a self-preservation thing. So I didn't I didn't tell him. Um, but I and it, it was funny because I had my surgery right before my birthday um, and I went and met up with my whole family for my birthday. Um, right. It's like literally a couple of days after the surgery or something. And my brother and his wife were like, oh, how was this? And I was like, no, 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 no. like trying to change the subject because obviously yeah. my dad didn't know. Um, but, yeah, they everyone was amazing. Um, afterwards, um, I actually started seeing a therapist because of everything. It was just everything. I, was, I just suddenly decided, I was like, Do you know what, I need to process everything. Um so I did see a therapist for a little while, um, not really anymore, and then just went on this sort of journey of trying to improve my mental health alone, really, because, um, you know, we're all accountable for our own our own stuff. Um, I speak to speak to friends about it quite a lot, um, and I've, I've discovered that everyone's kind of doing their own little thing, their own little journey as well, which is great. Um yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky that I've got a really good support system of friends that are just really supportive and they look out for me. Um, but in terms of working on my own happiness, I think only I could really do that. Um, you know, you, you're only really accountable for yourself. Well, we are. And I, I, that, was an, that was something else I just wrote down there, that we're all accountable for our own self. Because I think that often we... We go in search of answers in places that bring us the problems, mm. and you know it. It. it the, the, I suppose the thread that's, that runs that's run through our conversation so far is that you know there's trust and that belief and in ourselves and and cultivating confidence and you know and looking inwards and observing. But we can only mm. do that if we, in part, commit to it. If we almost retrain ourselves to do so um and i th- you know look from a therapist perspective i think that it's on occasions there can be these blind spots and so speaking with someone even friends family it doesn't have to be a, a professional individual it can it can shed or shine a light on some bits that we're maybe missing but it still mm-hmm. comes back to exactly what you said it's still our journey individually yeah. Um, that we must sort of begin to embark on otherwise there becomes that dependency on it that you know if 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 I believe that there's a font of all knowledge and this person is fixing me as such because that's the mm. other argument none of us are ever broken as such um, it's the world that's broken and it's it, the, the key is not to sort of let too much of that flood into our system and corrupt our own internal world but mm. um, wow um, so thank you so much for sharing that and I know that that will resonate with a lot of people and I know that yeah I hope so I do hope so yeah, yeah I think if it can if it can help anyone that's going through any internal struggle because I mean I get a lot of people like some people on my um 
Twitter and stuff have reached out and said, you know, I've started reading this book um, about, you know, it's like a self-help book and what, because I posted the other day, like a little snippet of a book that I was reading and I had quite a lot of people sort of coming to me and saying, you know, I've suffered from this or I've had anxiety or depression or really low self-esteem and I'm just now sort of starting to look into that myself. And I think the thing is, is when you can recognize in someone else that they've got low self-esteem or that they've got these sort of wounds or issues going on, it can be really tempting to kind of try and force that sort of self-development journey on them. Um, and when you when you start doing work on yourself and you start thinking, you know, why am I the way I am? You start innately kind of analyzing why other people are the way they are. And it can be really tempting to try and like shove that down people's throats and be like, oh, like, dad, you need to read this book because of this. And, you know, that's not going to that's not going to help anyone. They kind of have to do it for themselves. Um, just like what you're saying, you know, if you become. Um, if you become kind of reliant on other people's opinions and thoughts, um, you sort of learn to use them as a crutch. And it, yeah, you, you, yeah, it's all about balance, I guess, in life. But well, it, it, you know, that's uh, I think there's you know the books that we read. Um, some will, some will um, incite a response, an emotional response. Um, with us that that really hits home and and actually is pertinent to our journey to our narrative and that may not be the case for someone else and i think it's right i you know for, i'm always sort of pushing or sharing books or talking to people saying this might be interesting um but mm. i'm not saying that it will be the fix as such because as we said there's no sort of broken fixed model it's the same as going to the cinema all those yeah. times you know years ago oh, what's, what's, the the cinema? Cinema? <laughs> what's the cinema uh but you know we would go and we'd watch a movie and some parts would um, mean something to us. Or we'd come out and we'd say, what did you enjoy? What did you enjoy? And mm. there would be different parts of the story because yeah. actually how we're, how we're emotionally involved or pulled into it. And I think that's the same for, and, and again, it goes back to that point of it not being black and white that, you know, but being open to reading, being open to listening to podcasts, being open to, you know, watching things yeah. on the internet that, that just give us more opportunity to understand self that little bit better because we're always, we're all, you know, um, we're always work in progress, aren't we? There's no, I don't think that there's a, you know, a point that we reach where we become these perfect specimens. There's no. always opportunity to grow. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, you're with yourself this for this whole life, really. Like you're the only person you've got. People will come and go and relatives will pass away and friends will go off and get married and you're you're the only constant in your life so you you know you should really want to make yourself the best version of yourself so that you get to enjoy that person for the rest of your life if that makes sense well it, it and you know something you said earlier you know you had to learn to become your own best friend and I think that to mm. me is We've got, a, you know, when we talk about loving ourselves, etc., that that is it encapsulates it. We are with ourselves twenty four hours a day, yeah. And we've got to be able to like ourselves. We could, but equally, we can be cross at ourselves sometimes. Mm. But we've got to be our own best friends and our own best friend, and that's where that that reliability yeah. trust comes from. Yeah, I was um, reading. I was reading a book called "You Are You Are a Badass" late uh, recently, 
And there's a bit in it about like the self-talk constantly, because really we have self-talk, inner talk, sorry, all the time, unless you're very good at sort of meditation and being mindful, which is something I'm trying to improve on a little bit. Really, you have that chatter constantly. And the author of the book, I think it's Jen Sincero, was saying, um, imagine if that person was, was actually a person and they were your roommate. And they were talking to you like that all the time. Yeah. And they were sort of putting you down constantly and making you feel awful or constantly saying, oh, you know, the worst case scenario is going to happen. The worst case scenario is going to happen. You would, you'd be like, yeah, you're going to have to leave. Like, I don't really want to live with someone like that. So yeah. why do we put up with it in our heads? Why is that okay? Because that's it, not us. That's not coming from us. That's just what we've learned over, you know, the course of our lives. So interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's this, like you say, whether it be a roommate or even in a relationship, you wouldn't mm. stay in a relationship that was that was abusing you in that way. But yet yeah, we're willing exactly. to put up with it when it becomes ourselves. So, um, yeah. And it's I don't know if you do this when people, you know, therapists, there's that age old thing that therapists say where they're like the most important relationship you have is with yourself or or they ask you, who you know, who are the most important relationships that you have? And then you're like, oh, well, you know, my, my parents and my family and my friends. And then they're like, no, it's your it's yourself. You're, that's the most important relationship. And I never understood that ever. I kind of just was like, yeah, yeah, you know, yourself, whatever. Um, until recently where I've sort of discovered, God, yeah, that's it's so true because I'm stuck with myself for the rest of my life. I kind of have to have a good relationship with me um, yeah. and I kind of have to sort of harness control over my thoughts and make sure that what I'm thinking is positive and and uh, you know raise that frequency a little bit yeah well I I think let's let's raise that frequency with your second song choice oh yeah this one's this one's different definitely a frequency lifter this one this one's like a nostalgic one for me Oh, good. Well, we'll uh, we'll find out. Uh, this is uh, my special guest, Sophie Green. This is her second song choice. Stick with us here on the Happiness Algorithm. We'll find why this is a frequency lifter for her. Here's, um, here's a beat group song now. Lady Writer. <laughs> Oh man, 
the color of a dead ring You got the same command Cause your mother was a jazz singer back to the happiness algorithm with me james roast and my very special guest today is sophie green and that was her second song choice that was of course dire straits and lady writer uh nostalgic one there sophie yeah i love that funky live version as well that was cool yeah yeah, i love that i love dire straits they're maybe one of my favorites um i just you know my mum used to listen to them when we were kids and it would kind of be like a Sunday afternoon thing to put on when she was doing the ironing you know back when back when mums used to iron all the clothes of the family members and she used to put the tire straights on and do the ironing and she'd be like dancing around and I at the time I just used to hear dire straits and think oh school tomorrow (laughs) like oh Sunday and then it would be heartbeat and then you know like a bit of heartbeat and a bit of um where the where the heart is and like all those shows like that um before bath and bed and I just hated it and then as an adult it's become this really lovely nostalgic feeling every time I listen to uh, Dire Straits or Fleetwood Mac or anything like that and um it's my sort of road trip music now that I listen to whenever I'm on a road trip it's such a it what a lovely memory and um and it and I thought Dire Straits is such a distinctive sound I find mm. um, and even listening to that there I was I, I sort of sat back and listened again and it was sort of evoking things from my past as well and um it's yeah. the, the guitar riffs um that are 
you just you know it's them straight away um, yeah it's ama- amazing amazing uh guitarist mark, mark Knopfler, is it yes it, yeah it's yeah. funny um like it's almost like um our tastes become refined over the years whether it be music or <laughs> food as well things that you have as a kid or you hear as a kid and you're like no i'm not I'm no way i'm not oh, i can't listen to this or i'm not eating that and then yeah. i find the older we get like oh yeah i really like that yeah yeah definitely it's and it's always like the stuff that we hated is like when we were younger we used to go on holiday every single year to cornwall or devon or it was always in the west country and we used to stay in these rundown little old cottages or barn conversions usually Mm. they were like haunted (laughs) like just the worst and it would be raining all week um it would be discussed you know and all my friends were like off on holiday to like Spain and you know France and all these really cool places and my family because my dad was terrified of flying so we never ever went abroad um, and we didn't have like loads of money growing up so we had these holidays to the west country and I used to feel so ungrateful and so you know oh this is the worst and and then as you as I grow older I look back on those times and I'm like oh those were the days and how, Mm -hmm. how much I would love to just go away to Cornwall and stay in like a little little cottage while it rains all week now with family that that sounds like bliss but when you're a kid obviously that's the worst thing in the world you can imagine yeah yeah it is it is strange it is strange I think it's that that quieter existence isn't it that sense of well we as we've said throughout the the show it's that sense of presence being in the moment and not Mm. wanting lots but just the simplicity whether it be with people or or our surroundings it's just that mm. calm it brings to mind um yeah, definitely so two amazing song choices we have got a third mm-hmm. and final we'll, we'll play out with and, and obviously um, before we finish the show we'll um we'll talk about that one but we are into the third and final part of the show and um as ever, <laughs> Well, that's a that's a great sound to make. I'm sure there are actually guests in the past that I spoke to a bit like looking at their watch, kind of thinking, <laughs> wrap it up, Roasty, will you? Come on. <laughs> so, no, I'm loving it. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> well, as am I, as am I. Um, <laughs> but we mustn't uh, – well, look, I, I, I don't want to go – I opened the show with the, the quote um, that was around the impossibility to admire the beauty of the natural world without also – reflecting on its vulnerability the reason why that was such where it really spoke to me is because you know a lot like what we've been discussing for me and in that last part really it's almost making that application of self we can't see the beauty in ourselves um unless we're reflecting on our own vulnerability Mm. you know all the way through about accommodating these emotions that kind of register a level of discomfort and it mm. almost feels like that's the journey that you've been on as well. You know, even pre-lockdown, the challenge six months or so that you uh, that you faced there and then going into lockdown and really sort of working on self and mm. then um, and then connecting with that 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 higher version of you. Yeah, I guess there's, there has been some kind of parallel that's run alongside that. And um, yeah, it's kind of realising how vulnerable and how sort of malleable people in general are um, and our minds. And, and yeah, I guess that does run parallel to the sort of vulnerability of the natural world. And 
you know, I always encourage people with my art to to sort of be and to live in harmony with nature um, rather than, you know, take, take, take and, Hmm. you know, being selfish and controlling and needing to have more, more, more. And, yeah, I guess I would be kind of hypocritical to not apply that to myself as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just really, it really rings true for me and and I I, I agree that there is definite, there's that definite overlap there. Mm. Um, now let's well look, let's talk art because um you are an incredible an incredible artist and and um oh, thank you uh, for those that have not seen your work we'll, we'll share links and uh, and websites later on um but i mean it's it's crazy how realistic it is um <laughs> and yeah, and and freaks me out when you when you when you produce these pieces. I'm like, oh, wow! Like, how do your eyes even see that? Because <laughs> I, I just don't know how it can then interpret. You know, your eyes consume um, this and then produce it. Um, it. It's it's amazing. So, where does it come from? Now, obviously, I know you told me once oh, before you. that um, you. Actually, your your brother is an, an is an amazing artist, and you're over the last year. You're actually finding that you're improving, improving as the month goes on as well. I mean, how much better can you get? Mm. Because what you are producing is truly <laughs> incredible. Well, yeah, I guess maybe that's where my sort of critical eye, like the attention to detail, comes in. Because I look at my work and I think this isn't where it needs to be. This it needs to be better, <laughs> and I constantly looking and being like yeah I mean that bit of fur there though that's not perfect that's not how it should look um and I think the thing is is with art I think people presume that if you're an artist that you're very creative um and I don't particularly think I've got the most creative mind I think I've got a very sort of scientific mind um mm-hmm. I've, I've always been kind of very mathsy um and yeah, I, I look at stuff very objectively. So, you know, I love doing I for my art I use the grid method, which is where you rather than just drawing the outline of an animal as you think it should look, you literally draw a grid on your canvas and then you do square by square where things should go proportionately. And mm. it's for me it's so satisfying because it's it's maths and it's there's an answer that's black and white and there's an answer it's right or wrong and if an eye looks right it's either scientifically correct or it's not um you know my artwork's not it's not abstract it's not um it's not creative really I wouldn't say it's scientific um and I love that because I'm so interested in the biology and the animals themselves and for example I'm painting a painting a peacock at the moment and you know, when you think of, oh, thank you. You think of peacock, you think of the, the Indian blue peacocks with the blue feathers and, you know, the big the big tails. And I decided I would do a green peacock, which are, they're slightly different. They've got these kind of like scaly feathers that go down their neck, which are green, mm. beautiful. But then there's certain parts of their faces that are slightly different to the blue peacock, but I'd already painted the face. So I then needed to go back and change a lot of what I'd done on the face and then changed the crest feathers uh, because I needed it to be 
scientifically accurate because otherwise it just wouldn't it wouldn't be correct um it would be like painting a human with test with tentacles i was about to say something else. <laughs> T- tentacles. Oh, what a painting <laughs> that would be wow for the slip there it would be like painting a human with tentacles <laughs> Oh, we done so well. Crying anyway. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it needs to be scientifically accurate, and I, I love that. I love like researching the animals and the different species and stuff like that. Um, so for me, that's where I get the detail from. Um, I've just got, I guess, I've got that kind of eye. But, you know, some people look at an abstract piece of art and they're like, oh, I love this because I can see the, the feeling behind it and the mood. And I'm not great at that. So I think everyone has, has things they're good at and has things they're, they're not as good at. Yeah, well, that, do you know what? I'm, I'm, no, I'm no art critic, but I always feel the world of, and this is in layman's, uh, my layman position, in the fact that I always feel that art is, is uh, or the art world is, is, is a form of subjectivity we know what we like and we like what we know and i think that's mm. again we go, it's the same with music you know a, a different art form it's how does it how does it create that arousal within self how does it create that mm. sort of emotional response and i when i look at your pieces that there is um there is this sense of emotion in the animals that you seem to capture like that is oh, amazing it's, it's, incredible it's just you know you look at them and you feel it um so that's good to know that's really good to know because yeah I guess I do try to do that because a lot of what I try to capture is sort of like the vulnerability in animals um Mm. unless I'm painting you know like the peacock for example I'm not really trying to uh draw the attention to its vulnerability it's more it's uh it's grace which is actually the peacocks that I'm doing at the moment, its name is Grace. That's the name of the painting. And I actually got the idea from the song that I'm going to play, be playing, the last song choice um, of mine today. So, um, yeah, so I'm trying to draw the, the attention to its grace, its beauty, its poise, and its dignity, which is something that I've, I've felt like I needed. Yeah. Presence. I mean, I started it a few weeks ago. And it was the beginning of 2021. And I look back on 2020 and I thought, you know, this last year has been a proper, um, it's just, there's been more than one spanner thrown in the works. And I think to come out of 2020 with any grace and dignity would be great. And I was, I went, actually went out for a walk. I, I was planning on doing a different bird altogether. And I'd actually bought the license off the photographer to use some photos of his to help me with it. And then decided I didn't want to do that species because I just wasn't that passionate about it. I wasn't getting all excited like I normally do. And I went for a walk with my friend um, back before lockdown and went to this garden. And we were just walking around chatting about our New Year's resolutions and what our plans were for 2021 and stuff like that. All the positive stuff and walked past a load of peacocks. And we just stood and we were just staring at the ages, looking at how beautiful they were and the beauty beautiful colors of their feathers and it was just a really nice peaceful moment and so I went back that night and started planning for a peacock painting instead and you know looking back on 2020 I was like you know I'd love to come out of 2020 with a little bit of grace and dignity and 
could you know I'd like to have handled that in the best way that I know how so that's where the name Grace came from Uh, and I was listening to Patrick Watson and the musician and yeah sort of the idea came to my head well what a um what a fitting name for the piece um and it certainly does what you know you're always kind to share your work in progress on on your platforms and um Mm -hmm. it does evoke that sense of grace uh, perfectly well um, and I can't wait to see it finished oh, One of the, bits, uh, the I think what's really um, powerful about your work as well and I was thinking about the emotions and why they're so um, why they draw me in so much uh, and, and obviously you know the, the piece itself is is ridiculously amazing but it's the the obviously the detail i mean it, ridiculously amazing but it's mm. the eyes i think that's where it captures a lot of the emotion um is the eyes that pull you in on each of the um each of the animals that you are oh thank you i mean I, eyes are my favorite thing to paint to be fair um mm. yeah they say don't they say the eyes are the sort of doorway to the soul or the gateway yeah. to the soul and um so. you know no two eyes are the same as well um, in anyone or any animal or any creature so I just love looking into the reflections and because you know when you, you're sort of painting an eye I was just doing a bison eye earlier um, in the week and I you could sort of see the reflection of the of the landscape in the eye and I was kind of really looking into like why what what could I have I could have some trees or I could just have a sparse you know sort of field background and yeah I I just love I love looking into the eyes and I spend a lot of time on the eyes um compared to a lot of other parts of the animal I think because it's important um so yeah it's it's good to good to hear that because that's yeah it means I'm doing something right so thank you yeah well it is lovely it is and I'm always you know when you when you start a piece and you've I think you've done it a few times where you sort of say not guess what I'm drawing but along those lines what yeah. I'm doing I always get ridiculously wrong I'm like I'm, I'm, I swear I must be the one person that just is the most I don't even go for extreme animals but I could not be more wrong when it turns yeah. out I think, well I can't remember what it was now but it might have been I think I actually before your penguin piece yeah um, you put it out there I can't remember what piece it was now that you've done um and I said penguin and it, I was so wrong it was it was like the tiger or something so <laughs> yeah right uh, guessing so I just wait I do that um, just for my own entertainment it's it's not for anyone else it's just for me because yeah, <laughs> I, I did it yeah. I did do it with the peacock I did it with the eye I just posted a picture yeah. of the eye and most people were kind of similar ish nobody I don't think anyone said a peacock they were kind of like eagle and stuff like that and then people were like goat lemur like all this <laughs> really random stuff yeah. it's like oh wow yeah. like yeah and then when I yeah. I think I posted picture of my color palette and it was all blues and greens and teals and stuff and I was like okay here's another clue um and you'd be surprised how many people were still guessing the most obscure Mm. like even types of like lizard and fish and that you know it was just it was very entertaining for me well I mean you know my next guest uh, my next guest my next guest is going to be man with testicles (laughs) oh I'm glad you said it Oh, so, uh, that. it would be like painting uh, a man with testicles. It just doesn't happen in in real life. <laughs> no, no. no offense. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you on the show today. I really, genuinely mean that. And, oh, thank uh, what, you. 
season four thanks for um, having me and i hope i didn't start the year off on too much of a depressing note <laughs> no 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 look the, the, the whole show is about you know as the listeners know it's, it's real conversations mm. and you know, as we've said throughout our, uh, the show today it's it's seeing both the positive aspects and the um and embracing the sort of negative parts that that we experience as well um and well and on that i suppose what i should do i should go through my notes and share with you what i'm going to take from today oh great yeah um so we've got so finding the joy in the present moment um sort of loving um finding yeah sorry love you know what i've got the worst handwriting in the world i can't even read (laughs) you're struggling to read your own handwriting in the joy in the present moment uh, that's that's the initial bit where we set sail and, and kicked off with um and uh, and the, and the tendency for us all to sort of fixate on the negative sometimes and there's an importance mm. of of shifting our mindset um a, a hats off and a nod to your friend or let's let's name your friend who shared and the piece of advice that is so perfectly fit in that shit makes the perfect fertilizer so big shout out <laughs> Who's that? Who's that friend? There? <laughs> Do you know what? I have no idea. I just oh. know. I just know. I just remember that phrase because I take it with me everywhere I go, and I cannot, no. for the life of me, remember who said it in the first place. It, I feel really bad. Perfectly. I'm probably um, going to get a text like, "I can't believe you didn't tell you." Yeah. yeah. Well, whoever it is, yeah. I love it. So um, I'm going to have um, to think about that. Fitting in, uh, we'll we'll tweet about them. Uh, so yeah, so shit is the perfect fertilizer, and and so it is. Um, it is the, the bit that also really stood out for me is that embracing that statement. I don't know why yet. So recognizing in times of discomfort or what I often refer to as treacle moments, like it's wading through treacle. You know when it mm-hmm. really feels overwhelming. Yeah, it's okay to not have the answers. It's okay to not know yet. Um, and, yeah. and trust and have faith in ourselves that we'll come out the other side. Um, beginning to explore a little bit about what's serving our higher self. Mm. Um, and this is, I've wrote this really big, but again, difficult to read. So, um, to feel, oh, um, oh, this is, this is great, great audio. You're just silence. Me trying to read my own right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if anyone tunes in at this specific yeah. moment, just you having a little meltdown. <laughs> it's still, it's still the show. It's just that I can't read my own. Um, do you want me to do a little my... song while we wait? I've got it. Yeah. No. Well, I shouldn't really deprive the listeners of a little song, um, but I've got it. Nine <laughs> permission to feel certain ways ah yeah denying permission Mm. to feel certain ways is bad for us um so that was when we was talking about um comparison of others Mm. and and the importance of of recognizing it's okay to feel this way in that that moment in time um we've got uh being the observer of our own thoughts and feelings uh which i think is is crucial um and how i think what you said and often people don't realize is how much of an influence our thoughts and feelings have on our body and as you know when you were mm. going through it and, and and beginning to work with some of that um and of course yeah totally being a best friend um and yeah by- i think sorry yeah i was gonna say if I- Sorry to interrupt you there. Um, I was going to add to that as well in terms of sort of 
your thoughts and your feelings or more like your thoughts and your words I think are so important and one piece of advice I would give that's really helped me because I know it's really it's easy for someone to just be like you know be your own best friend and you know be happy on the inside it's it's another thing actually doing that and one thing that's really helped me is gratitude I think that's the game changer in life and it's learning to take a really mundane or even terrible situation and turn it around and find a reason to be grateful for it and it's almost it starts by forcing yourself to do it and it might feel a bit fake but eventually you start to realize how grateful you are for the little moments and the little things and the more you feel grateful for the little things the more you start to attract nicer things into your life and I found that because I I, what I do is I write down every day or every other day a list of everything I'm grateful for and sometimes it can be a really mundane day and I'm sitting there you know, doing not a lot, just painting on my own all day. And it can be hard to think of things that I'm grateful for. So it might be, you know, I'm so grateful for having a roof over my head and food in the fridge and money in the bank. And I'm so grateful that I get to do what I love for a living. And it might just be as something as simple as, you know, I'm so grateful that the sun's out today, or I'm so grateful for living in a country with free healthcare or any, you know, anything like that. And then you know, when something terrible happens, you might, you might try and reframe that in your, in your mind. So rather than being like, oh, for God's sake, I've just missed the bus. You might think, oh, I'm so grateful that I get an extra 10 minutes just with myself to hang it. Cause yesterday is a perfect example. I went to town for the first time in a long time, <laughs> um, to go and pick some stuff up from the shops and went to, uh, like super, uh, like drugstore and um it was shut from one until 2 p.m because of they didn't have enough staff or something and Mm. it was like 10 minutes to two so rather than being like oh god it's closed that's so annoying I was like oh perfect it's it's 10 to two I'm almost on time like in 10 minutes um they're going to be back and also the sun's out I haven't left the house for ages I haven't seen people for ages I'm standing on the high street it's a beautiful day this is the perfect time to just be in the in the moment so I stood there and I was trying to sort of focus my thoughts on being present and clear my head and and then this woman came along and started chatting to me and I was like oh this is great because she uh, you know this is human interaction I hardly get any of that nowadays and then this other guy came along and looked at the note. And at this point, it was probably about five to two, so five minutes away from opening. And he was like, oh, God's sake. And we went, oh, it's okay. You've only got five minutes. And he was like, oh, yeah, but I came to pick up something. And for God's sake, it's just my life. And he was so negative about the whole thing. And I think observing how other people react is always important because then you can sort of question how you react to things and then I thought to myself I'm so grateful that I don't feel that way I'm so grateful that I'm standing here waiting and it was actually really cold and I didn't have a coat on and I was shivering but I was still like I'm so grateful you know I was training my training my thoughts uh and loads of stuff happened like that you know shops shutting shops didn't have what I needed it was just you know on the on the face of it it was one of those days where everything was going wrong but I was training myself to be so grateful for the little things and by the end of the day I came home and I was like oh it was a great day I just had a nice day out saw some people you know and it's just amazing how much a little bit of gratitude can turn your day around 
Hear, hear. And I think that gratitude is one of those things that has been um, has been dis- distant from us for many a year, um, but it is gaining that traction. And I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think begin to identify and start simply with those that just three things that we can be grateful for. And I know, obviously, a good friend of yours, Giles, he's, he shared that on his mm-hmm. show as well. Yeah, does it with well. the kids, doesn't it? Yeah, I had, I had that. Yeah. I was, I was uh, listening to that, that episode. It was great. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's one. It's it's all, it's something that is accessible for all of us. And like you said, if we can, if we do it in times where we are, where there is little to no pressure, uh, when we're waking up in the morning, maybe or just before bed, it mm. then gives us a, a, a ritual, riper opportunity to access it away in the busy world, yeah. um, so that we're not caught up like that chap who was who who was caught of rushing because he had to wait five minutes because mm. that's. You know what? You know those stop gaps during the day, those little moments to kind of just check in with ourselves. Yeah, are so crucial. Mm. Um, yeah, and so few and far between, often as well. Yeah, and it's that change. You know, for me, what I'm going to take from this conversation is it's the change in mindset or the change in perspective. And I think mm. we should share with with the listeners how well the symbolic. Um, nature or, or, or observation what whilst we were talking what mm. you saw um so yeah. what, what, was playing? what did you see <laughs> well, and the meaning behind it it's funny because I, I love to look into like the symbolism behind things um and I was sort of sitting as the whole time we were recording this I was sitting staring out the window and there was a really beautiful colorful woodpecker on the tree right outside my window and it was just sitting there pecking away the whole the whole show and I was staring at it like that's so beautiful I you know I have hardly ever seen woodpeckers around and then so when we were playing one of the songs I decided to google what the symbolism behind it meant because I just love to google you know what the symbolism behind different birds that you see and things like that and if you see one at a certain point what does it mean you know when you see like magpies and you're like oh one for sorry two for joy it's like that sort of thing and I googled it and it came up with um it said the symbolism is associated with a stimulation and awakening of new mental faculties and new ways to look at things and new wisdom in general. So I thought that was quite apt for what we were talking about. Um, and yeah, it's just made me feel a little bit more grateful and happy and yeah, it felt like I am onto something. Yeah. Well, I, I think we, uh, I think we all are. And uh, I'm, I'm sure the listeners will will have enriched their lives further by hearing and listening to you today. And um, and to to finish with that, I think is is a perfect way to end the show and mm-hmm. um, and go forth with the grace and the dignity that we uh, and gratitude that, that we all deserve. Oh, um, thank you. Thanks for having so, me as well. That this was really fun. I was excited to speak to another human. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always welcome. You know that. You're always welcome. Oh, thank you. Uh, and we are going to play out with your final song choice. And, and this is obviously Patrick Watson and, and uh, the song Grace. Um, mm. So tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, you mentioned earlier about your the piece that you're currently doing. Yeah. I mean, I love this song. I just think it's really it's really cool. Um, I love the lyric. Do you know what? Patrick Watson has become probably one of my favourite musicians. I think his songwriting is great and his lyrics are so cool um he's a really good lyricist um he loves to like play on words and stuff I listen to his music all the time when I'm painting and I've started using his music quite a lot because I I make sort of time-lapse videos 
um, of my painting process, as you know, on social media. And I got permission to use his songs on my videos. And so I've been putting them on, but I've found I like to mix it up and have different artists on different videos. But lately, I've just been using his over and over again because I just think he's amazing. And I just think there's a song for every for every purpose. So the song that I posted with alongside a video of me painting my peacock was this song, Grace. Um, and yeah, I think the, the meaning behind the song, from what I've gathered, it's about a woman who's just got a lot of grace. She's got high self-confidence. Um, doesn't really care what other people think. And I think that's kind of what we should all be a little bit like without being too arrogant. And uh, yeah, so enjoy. I hope you hope you like it as much as I do. We certainly will. And I nearly forgot before mm. we go, please share websites, social media oh. handles so people can look at this amazing work that you're doing. What? Well, I've got a website, which is www.sophiegreenfineart.com green like the color um my social media is instagram and facebook is sophie green fine art and twitter is sophie green art because it didn't allow me to fit sophie green fine art in because it's twitter always a bit stingy with the characters yeah. <laughs> um so yeah twitter sophie green art and the rest are all sophie green fine art amazing so you heard it go out check sophie out and look at what she's doing it's incredible um the work that she's producing um I, as I've said, uh, I've just really enjoyed um, today's conversation, as I knew I would do. Um, I think we can all take a lot from what uh, Sophie has shared with us today. Um, you've been listening to me, James Roast. Uh, this has been The Happiness Algorithm. Uh, we'll be back for more shows in the future, more great guests and more great music. Um, and this is my very special guest, Sophie Green's third and final song choice, Grace.